Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Level Up Human, the comedy science podcast, souping up the homo sapien. Hello and welcome to Level Up Human, the comedy science podcast panel show trying to redesign our species. Today we're recording live from Cork Science Festival and we're taking suggestions from our amazing panel and from our audience to try and figure out how we should upgrade the human body. Today, I'm joined by three talking Turing machines in the form of our guests. First of all, on my immediate right, we have the amazing comedian, star of the Blame Game, and a ton of other things, actually, Neil Delamere. Hello. What a, what a pleasure to be here in this nightclub that looks like all the murders of love-hate happened in it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be a good crack tonight, I have to say. I'm looking forward to uh, the suggestions from our panellists and our audience. Neil, your purpose tonight is that you're going to represent mankind and the people of Cork. You get to decide which motion goes forward. Uh, what kind of thing are you hoping to hear from our panellists? What would uh, you like stuff. to see? Uh, the last time we did it, there were some brilliant suggestions from the audience. And one guy wanted fibre optic broadband, basically, in, in his body. And uh, he was an American man and, at, at the gig in Dublin. He didn't know that rural broadband in Ireland wasn't doing that well. <laughs> so we're very much a dial-up society, to be perfectly honest with you. But it was a good suggestion and stuff along those lines, I think. And from most of our audience here, they look like quite bright people. There's a couple that look like we probably get a grant for having them here, but um, <laughs> they're the scientists. Where do I get a grant? I saw that. Um, but I do think that there'll be good suggestions from our panelists and from the people uh, sitting out there. So looking forward to anything, anything and everything, as long as it improves the human race. Okay, well, we have our experts here joining us. First of all, on our far left, we have Kian Luck. Yay! Now, Kian, I've been looking up your biography. You are a PhD student at MAREI Centre for Marine and Renewable Energy at UCC. And you seem to spend a lot of time with seals. Please tell us what is so good about seal, because I don't think he's had a hit for many, many years, and he's been gone downhill. <laughs> Oh, that's, uh, that's only for people from the 1990s, that joke. Can I get a kiss from a rose? I needed that for anybody to understand that as well. The rest of you can go home. What's good about seals? Uh, well, seals are a bit of a tough sell because they're kind of, you know, they're fat, they're hairy, um, but I mean... Leave our audience out of this. That's not nice. For the opposite of you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll take that. Um, but I mean... There's, there's, not a whole, there's bits we can learn from them. So, I mean, the, the obvious, an obvious design flaw of humans would be, uh, I mean, this isn't my pitch, but the obvious design flaw would be um, uh, 
the testicles on the outside of the man, very vulnerable point. Seals have found a way to internalize all that, which is brilliant, but the way, and they come up with this clever way to keep them all nice and cool and safe inside, so I'd say they're a bit ahead of us in that game. Yeah, but on the, on the other side of that, Irish men have learned to internalize all their emotions. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, you never see a rampant alcoholic seal going, yeah, yeah. I could have got on the senior team, but they wouldn't let me. Just drinking his <laughs> Captain Birdseye's a bastard. <laughs> Taking all my fish, you know. I, I don't think the testicles are we keep our ego and our head and stuff, is well, it? Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to a courtroom near you soon. That's all we can say. We're also joined by Alison O'Shea. Now, Alison, you're a PhD candidate with the Infant Research Centre, but your research is mostly focused on what was deep learning algorithms. Could you please explain to us what is deep learning, as I don't feel like I've ever mastered shallow learning? <laughs> um, well, deep learning is a type of learning where we actually don't need to do much engineering. So um, in deep learning, the computer does almost all the work for you. So my PhD, I'm being pretty lazy, to be honest, because uh, the computer does all the work for me. <laughs> is that actually true? So when people are being afraid of you know, computers taking your jobs, you're afraid of computers taking your PhD. Yeah, 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 it's a big fear of mine, but um, I just try to keep everyone confused and that way they think I'm an expert on it. <laughs> You've done a remarkable job. <laughs> <laughs> so we can see how these guys are gonna be able to pitch from within their expertise and give us their kind of ideas. Before we leap into the far-flung ideas of the future and get a bit sci-fi in this, uh, each of our panel have brought along a new story with them to tell us what's happening right now, which is out there. Uh, can we start with you, Kian? What's the story you brought with you? Uh, sure. Uh, goats put the Faroe Islands on Google Street View. Goats put the Faroe Islands on Street View. That's correct. So the Faroe Islands, uh, very small population. It doesn't exist on a lot of maps, let alone Street View. So they were pretty keen to get it on there. So uh, they didn't have lots of people, but they had lots of goats. Uh, so they just strapped uh, 3D cameras to the backs of them and they traveled all around the island, mapping out the island and now it's on Google Street View. That is the single best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Donny Gaul is waiting, surely. <laughs> That's a brilliant idea though, isn't it? Yeah, and like it's, it's kind of actually a trend in research these days. Like uh, critter cams have become quite a trendy way of doing research. Critter cams, so oh, yeah. literally just gluing cameras to the backs of animals and getting an idea of what they do. I mean, if you watch Blue Planet, you'll see a lot of the footage now is coming from the backs of these animals themselves. But you can do some genuine research with it. It's, um, but is that genuine research or is it just somebody walks in and you're <laughs> gluing something to a badger yeah. and they go, what are you doing? And you go... It's, it's re research. <laughs> I'm working for Google Street View. <laughs> looking at the underground tunnels. Just yeah. in case Chileans get locked underground again. We've figured the badgers are going to give them an escape plan because we've videoed underground. That's remarkable. Before we move on with this, actually, I can see one flaw. Because there was a massive court case a couple of years ago where mm. there was a Sulawesi macaque had nicked somebody's camera and taken a selfie. And because of PETA... Or PETA, I'm never yeah, sure yeah. how to say it. I don't know which one burns. Um, they, they had actually sued and they discovered that they'd given the, the copyright to the macaque. Presumably the goats sign a waiver though, you know? They get yeah. them to sign something beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> Google you, are pretty smart. You just, see that's what happened. They originally approached sheep, but sheep have uh, collective bargaining. <laughs> <laughs> 
so the, the goats undercut them and that's, <laughs> that's why they're not going to the right hand side of the Lord in heaven. <laughs> that's fantastic. Thank you, Ken. All right. What about you, Neil? Well, I want to keep it along those lines. Uh, sheep can recognize human faces. So uh, obviously, as long as they, they can't give evidence, we should be okay for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although if they can download the video, the goats have been taken, we're all in trouble. <laughs> Speaking as a man from a rural background. Um, yeah, so Cambridge did a, a survey, and, or a study, I suppose, and there was eight female Welsh mountain sheep, and they trained them train them to recognise human faces from photographs. Barack Obama, Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, uh, Emma Watson and Fiona Bruce, the newsreader. And they rewarded them and they trained them and they had to break an infrared beam with their snout. Uh, is it a snout? Face. And, um, <laughs> and then they got a treat if they recognised the person that they want them to recognise and they actually recognised them. So I'd imagine there's a lot of farmers nervously ringing up Cambridge <laughs> going, have they pointed anybody out at all? Um, yeah. I feel kind of bad now because I don't, I don't recognise any sheep. No, <laughs> you don't. No. I suppose not. It might be quite difficult to do a, a, a study like that. You're just, just showing sheep photographs, going, uh, one sheep recognises them, two sheep recognises them. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, so, but genuinely, they reckon it is going to have some degree of insight into degenerative diseases. So, right. Yeah, so Parkinson's and, and, um, and so Huntington's. I think parts of the brain maybe light up in, in, a, in a certain way. So they, they know primates can recognise human faces, but they didn't know this about sheep. So it's now, I think, primates, sheep and pigeons. Yeah. pigeons have been shown to, to recognise humans um, for your bird feed. Um, in no way related, Cian, you've spent a lot of time on islands, haven't you? Can you, t- yeah. <laughs> can you tell us how do you cope with the loneliness? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Is this a different podcast? Is this? Yeah. yeah, I did get a lot of people worried about, about uh, me spending so much time with seals, and I guess maybe it's a good thing seals can't recognise human faces yet either. Well, we're about to find out, aren't we? Do you know, before we explain any of this, let's move on. Um, <laughs> Alison, what's your news story? Well, artificial intelligence has actually solved a problem that has stumped biologists for over 100 years. A worm, when you cut it in half, it can ac- actually regenerate its entire self from both halves, and it knows when to stop, and it can regenerate every single part of it. Um, and this has stumped biologists for many, many years, the mechanisms behind it. They've come with, up with many different theories, but no one single theory solves each part of that problem. So what a machine learning algorithm did in Massachusetts is it actually delved through all of the data and all of the papers published on it, and it created one model that could actually solve and explain away everything. And not only did it do just a massive amount of computation, which we know computers are already really good at it, it actually was able to do small evolutions of the model to, um, to solve it using a model that's never been suggested by biologists before. So um, the engineers might be taking over, the machine learning experts might be able to do science now. But can they do podcasts? I say as we'll the biologist. We'll see. <laughs> Ask me in an hour. <laughs> that's terrifying. If they're putting podcasts, I mean, who, who else is going to whine on than the interval for so long. So a worm was split in two and worms then create two new worms. Yeah, so they can and regenerate from any... couldn't figure that out no. and the computer could. Yeah, exactly. The computer was able to trawl through all of the previous publications, all of the previous experiments um, and it was able to come up with a model that actually is quite simple. So not only did it have to come up with an extremely complex model, it could create a model that was understandable to humans. So in theory, the computer taught the humans the model. 
So you're a biologist, Simon. How does that make you feel? <laughs> My self-esteem wasn't that high in the first place. So. Well, next year we could, do, we could just be doing this with a George Foreman grill in your chair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sad. Right, so that's the kind of stuff which is happening right now. Now, so let's get sci-fi. Our experts here have brought along pitches within their ideas. We want to hear what they are, and then we'll come to you in the audience. So can we start with you, Alison? What is your idea? So I work in the Infant Research Centre, and everything I do is about understanding babies' brain waves. But that's exciting for doctors. What would be really exciting for people would be if we could understand babies crying, babies babbling, babies speech, let's call it. So my idea was that what if parents could have some inbuilt processing tool where they could learn each time a baby cries and they could have a little classification of what that cry means, whether it means they need feeding, they need to sleep, they don't like someone that's in the room, they're too hot, they're too cold, they need a nappy change. This way we could really learn a lot from babies, you know, maybe they've got a lot to tell us. Probably not, though. <laughs> maybe more than some adults, I don't know. Actually, yeah, okay, Neil, why? Why do you want to understand a baby? Why do, well, they haven't seen any good films. What are you going to talk about? Well, yeah, well, it's a good point. We, but see, the point is we don't know what they're saying. I think that's a good point. I don't think they have a whole lot to say, to be honest with you. I don't think a baby is suddenly going to go, I, I babble, therefore I am. There's no sort of <laughs> philosophical... Well, like, it's going to be, I shit myself. Isn't yeah, that what it's going to be? But then you can solve the problem quicker. So, you know, all we're trying to do is solve a problem. And with a baby, often you don't know what the issue is. Yeah, so but you pick the baby up. You, you, can... you do what time, time on or tradition people do. You know, the, uh, until you have kids, you have some degree of self-respect and then you have a child and you don't care anymore and you'll pick a child up and sniff its arse in a shopping centre to see if it's actually pooed on itself. And I think that makes us human and um, I don't want to take that away from people. I don't want the baby... To, like, basically, all babies then are going to be like Stewie from Family Guy, aren't they? The baby's going to turn to you and go, I have defecated in my nappy. <laughs> I don't know why it has a cigarette. I've modelled a cigarette there in my hand there. I just like sophisticated babies. But you're right, like, I mean, what happens? I suppose you could use those sort of computer models then to talk to the animals and dolphins and... Like, what does fungi have to say for himself? Exactly, because people are actually looking at, like, the speech patterns of dogs and, let's say, the emotions of dogs and how maybe their barks might change in different emotional situations. So people are already looking at these kind of things. And I said, what if... What if we did something a little bit closer to home? You know, what if you could understand if they were teething or if they I were... reckon if you attached a sense like that to fungi... I reckon he would talk like one of the Healy Rays. <laughs> I reckon he just stopped fungi randomly and could turn it and he'd be like, I think people should be able to drink and drive and, and you have one pint and then swim at home. Never did anybody any harm. I think that's... So I think that's a, that's a brilliant idea. I, I, I love the idea. I love the sense behind it. I think they have not much to tell us. But I think that it's a very good idea because who are knows you, what they have to tell us until they tell us. So are you saying already that, Neil, this is on the short list as far as It is concerned? on the short list, I'm afraid, yeah. All right. I, I do think it's interesting. I've got a friend who's doing a lot of research into trying to create uh, eye tests for babies. Because, of course, you can't tell anything's up with them until, until too late. So trying to interpret these kind of things. They don't know their alphabet yet, so yeah. it's hard for them. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair point. I hadn't thought of that. My friends once got an eye test, right? He was in a GP surgery and he was getting a general medical and he knew that the GP left the surgery and he knew he was going to get an eye test. So what he did is he went over to the eye test and he learned the maker's name on the bottom <laughs> of the eye test 
And the, sir, the guy came back in and went, read the lowest line of that eye chart over there. And he went, and he went made by H. Smith and Sons, Birmingham, 1995. The doctor rang around the other people in the area because he had somehow discovered a mutant with <laughs> special sight. He was filling in grant application forms. <laughs> All right, Keon, yeah. you're up. Can it you was, beat that? Uh, I, I have my doubts, but I'll give it a go. Um, so, like you said, I've worked on uh, a lot of islands, working uh, with animals that have rarely seen humans. And when, they're, when animals see something that they're not used to, they're terrible judges of character and terrible judges of risk. Um, and so they don't know whether, to, whether I'm a threat, whether I should be cuddly. But humans are pretty bad at judging risks as well. I mean, how many famous last words have been, hold my beer, or <laughs> just, just have a look at the Darwin Awards, and you can see we're pretty bad at it ourselves. So what if we had some kind of heads-up display that just alerted us to risks that we didn't realize? You know, it has some very practical applications. It might be driving down a dangerous road, walking down a dangerous street, but I think it could also have maybe some interesting social applications. Like, let's say, maybe you sit down for your first Tinder date with someone, and this heads-up display says... Not for you. <laughs> and, uh, but then it ha could have some positive um, impacts as well. You know, like I'm a, I'm a big bald man with resting bitch face. So it'd be, it'd be helpful if there's a little flag that said, I'm all right. <laughs> Harmless. <laughs> what so a heads up display to help us identify risk because we're pretty poor at judging. Aren't we more, um, aren't we, what's the word I'm looking for? We are programmed to attach more importance to risk than uh, we're, we're not we're, we're very bad at, at, at calculating risk and we tend to be more attracted to bad news I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Because for, so you're on the Serengeti and something you hear a right? You don't think that, oh, look, that's a, probably a friendly lion, right? <laughs> you go, that's most likely to be a big, scary lion because it, there is more. Because it's a lion. Because it's, well, because it's a lion, but 
the, 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 the chances of anything bad happening, you're better off being safer and being more cautious. So we're addicted to bad news, for example. We tend to catastrophize things. Mm. So that could help mitigate against that, I suppose. Yeah, so um, like optimal foraging theory says that like animals need to maximize return for the minimal risk and effort. Op, op, optimal foraging, foraging theory. theory. Okay. Yeah, you so, see it in TK Maxx. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you see, like, um, if if an animal uh, is too risk adverse, then it's going to miss out on feeding opportunities. Going to become uh, it's going to become weaker in the population. Whereas if it takes too many risks, it, death. <laughs> so yeah. it's trying to get that balance right. So there, so there, so all animals automatically do calculate risk at some point. Yeah. So and which are the best? Do you know well, which animals risk? would have avoided the financial crash? <laughs> Like, if I go into um, a, a, a Las Vegas casino and see a duck counting cards, yeah. should I? No, this, so, is, this is a genuine question, because that is, that's the thing, because you're saying about how we're cautious, but we also know that we're also addicted to risk. Mm. We tend to be optimistic about how things are going to turn out. Gambling would not exist otherwise. Yeah, precisely. So, uh, if, you're, if you're asking what's the most cautious animal, well, I don't know if maybe cautious is the right word, but um, I've worked a lot with penguins, and they are some of the angriest animals in the world, and they, they just treat everything that comes near them as a threat. So, anything that comes within biting or slapping distance, they will beat the living daylights out of it, whether that's me or another penguin. So, when you have to walk through... A penguin you, has taken you on. Yeah, this 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 penguin is impressive. Actually, I don't know. I've I've lost a fight to many a penguin. Could you not get the wrapper off? How does that start? Thank you. That's a diabetic clapping that over there, right? Delight. Just give myself an X on my notebook for that. I think this would be interesting because you could you could crowdsource like you know past results. So that would mean that these people who you know have had bad experiences, we could learn from them. So it could be some way that we could actually crowdsource the data. So mm. the more people that used whatever this was, the more data we learn from. So maybe you're the first person to see a duck in a casino, but person number two who sees a duck is going to do a good, they're going to win big, you know? They're going to do well. sounds awfully like machine learning again. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get it in everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so hold on, actually. Well, actually, I just want to figure out how the penguin attacked him. <laughs> <laughs> is it just one penguin going, here, hold my fish? I know, I know. Yeah, and it's, it's the smallest of the penguins, one of the smallest of the penguins as well. It's called a macaroni penguin, so it doesn't even look sinister. It has those little cute uh, yellow eyebrows on it. And then um, soon it runs Gotham. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as soon as you pick it up, it just, it, uh, it pecks, but then it slaps, and it slaps like 10 times in a second. So it's like being slapped repeatedly with a ruler. If you ever like, if you ever they, misbehaved in class always, over and over and over but again, but you have big then, legs, you can walk away much faster than a penguin can. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but unfortunately, it was my job to catch these penguins. Uh, <laughs> I see the issue. I see. And the also, issue. he's holding the penguin, so walking away while still holding it <laughs> isn't as effective. Why is this still hurt? You're holding the bloody penguin. And Let go. And were they all? Were penguins always like this, or was it after there was so much intrusion after the film was made, or? <laughs> A heads-up display. Is it on the shortlist, Neil? Yeah, it's not a bad idea, all right, but I would wonder, my scientific head on me, figure, you're trying to figure out how you calculate risk, so you're going to have to figure out where, like you said, but bringing in previous data, and that's... Basically, you just get your, your granny to sit beside you at all points. Because that's what grannies do, isn't it? Just, ah, no, she's not for you now. Yeah. Do you know? Or are you driving the car too fast? Slow down now. There's a, there could be a bend in the road at 15 miles from here. So, it'd be a, just... 
an attachment for your granny just to sit beside you. <laughs> I think it's a good idea, but what would life be without a little bit of risk, you know? So it's not on the short list, is it? Uh, I think it needs a bit of work. I- iteration two, yeah, I think maybe. Sorry, Ken. No, I can take that. Well, I appreciate oh. the sympathy. Somebody went However, some sort of penguin defense device. <laughs> now we you got me interested. We found a need. Considering we're sitting here like dragons then, I'm in, I'm out, right? So I'm afraid that's not on the short list. But audience, here at Cork Science Festival, I'm sure you can do better. So it's your chance. Who's got an idea? My name's Ian, and my idea is kind of an ergonomic one. Um, so we've all been in situations where we're sitting in church or somewhere like that. No, we, we haven't. Well, this place is called church. <laughs> Sorry, mate, go on. But um, you know, we're all like sitting and squirming on the, on the pew, you know? Like your ass cheeks are hurting a small bit. How about having a third buttock on the back <laughs> of your back in like a triangular formation? So if you're feeling pain in two, you can rotate the buttocks. You see, I what? just like the way he says buttock. That's the buttocks. Bit. It's French. Like, like oh, you've yeah. just learned the words. <laughs> I would like two buttocks, please. <laughs> but that's my idea. It's for maximum comfort, you know? And what our listeners at home and the people in the front row can see is that you're miming this. That's I the am, I am. Of the um, so, I've been thinking about it. Thinking so about would it. the third buttock, would yes. it be um, as the same size? It wouldn't be the same size as the other two. Buyer's choice. It was what? Buyer's choice. Buyer's choice. Buyer's choice. Oh, there's a market in this. There's a market. <laughs> wow, I get little we'll probably start selling this. <laughs> I'm looking for for milk and butter and a bot and arse cheek on the way out. I feel like a cushion already solves this problem, or is this She's got a very good point. <laughs> what do you think, panel? Because this guy's competing against you. Ian might be onto something here. Yeah, he might have something there, you know? Are you also criticising the seats in this venue secretly or something? What's this? <laughs> we had to rent these chairs. This is a nightclub, you know. No, just, just a childhood in church, being dragged to mass. I suffered a long, long time. It's time to make a difference. You see, I, can't, I, I think it's not a bad idea, but I, I, again, the, the cushion kind of overcomes it. And, and I can't put that on, uh, despite... I, I, like, I don't think that's better than, than Kean's suggestion of the risk display, so I don't think we can put that on. Sorry. I'm sorry, sorry. Ian. Give me a sorry. huge round of applause. Thank you thanks, so much. Thanks for playing. Has anybody got any other suggestions? Hi, my name is Anna. Hi, so Anna. mine is kind of... An extension on yours, Keen, so I'm sorry if it sort of steals your idea. No, go ahead. But if human DNA, if we incorporated memory, so if we could learn the major lessons from our ancestors, it'd make history way more fun, because there'd be way more debate about it, because you'd have people running around in the world right now who remember things about Genghis Khan, and think he's actually a great lad. And uh, <laughs> like, say, cows born on farms in Ireland, they know to get up off the ground. They stand up as soon as they're born, and that's innate knowledge. So it's something that they just instinctively know to stand up because the ground is cold. Whereas babies don't because they don't have that innate knowledge programmed into them. But if kind of like we had that inbuilt knowledge about certain risks, that would be kind of cool. That's way better than my idea. (laughs) (laughs) Also, you're the most Cork person I've met in a long time, which is great. (laughs) Kingus Khan was was a great lad. Uh, I'm from rural Cork. He was just a kind of an over-enthusiastic horse man. Should the Mongols were going to crack at a party? <laughs> Anna, I think, I think 
think actually, again, you might be hitting something that we already have. Do we not have extent. cultural learning? Or, that's Aye, a but, different thing, is it? But if you're talking about this sort of like inherited fear and risk stuff, um, a paper came out only about two weeks ago showing that babies uh, know to be scared of snakes. And horses that have never seen snakes know to be scared of snakes. Oh, there's loads did of animals like that. that? Yeah. Who they did that experiment? That must have been great crack. <laughs> Of course, just you get a baby, bring him to photo. You're not going to like this. <laughs> now, they had to, go on, they had tell to, us if you're scared or not. Oh, we haven't developed the technology to understand an infant. <laughs> See, it's necessary, you know, for it experimental purposes at least. <laughs> they couldn't do the experiment in Ireland, of course. That's the problem. No snakes. No. Yeah. no. So, so uh, genuinely, how did they do that? Did they show them pictures of snakes? Did they give them, show them snakes? They were like measuring fear reactions and sticking them in the MRI scanners and that kind of. Put thing. a baby in an MRI scanner, put a snake in there as well. Who <laughs> <laughs> did the ethical approval there? <laughs> I'll be honest, I'm hazy on the details. You yeah. are. Yeah, yeah, you are a little bit hazy on the details. <laughs> you get the idea. I think I actually think there's merit to that. I think she'd go on the shortlist. I don't this know how it be done, but it is it's not a bad idea. Give Anna a big round of applause. Thank you very much. <laughs> My name is Maria and I'm thinking the ability to toggle uh, fertility on and off at will. Uh, do you know what? Oh uh, that's easy. You wear a check shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even get to the sex at that point. It's a, it's a contraceptive device. It's a very easy thing to do. Um, Boom. Next one. Who's next? No, yeah. Everybody's laughing except two lads in the front row in check shirts. Look. <laughs> this is lumberjack. Shut your face. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great idea. Is it on the list? Yeah. Oh, right. Woo. Yeah. Give Maria a big round of applause. One final segment for this. We've had ideas from our amazing expert panel. We've had ideas from our audience. I'm going to pitch in with one idea from Mother Nature, because that's full of great evolutionary ideas. I'm going to suggest we take an idea from this creature here. This is a face mite. Oh. <laughs> Every single human that's ever been looked at has them. We all have ones. We get them from our family. If you're feeling itchy right now, then... Well, yeah, you know, they're Everybody there anyway. has these. Everyone. But I, I think... refuse to believe Sharon Neviolan has these. <laughs> There's one exception, is that okay. it? Go on. Well, um, and actually, I think this is a good thing. What I'm going to suggest we take from them is they never poo. They're perfectly economical. Well, you've, gone, you've gone utterly silent for that. I mean, are I'm you just, thinking about it? Or you, you give and you take. These things are on our faces, but they don't defecate. They don't defecate, like, which is very considerate for a start. It but, is, um, yeah. Wouldn't you love that? You'd spend so much time and Donald Trump would never tweet again. But, this is but a, where does it go? They basically keep stored up in their body until they die. But so they they're go. efficient, completely efficient. They use every part of everything? Uh, no, but they just don't get rid of the waste. They carry it around. So they just balloon <laughs> over the ears, like that girl from How... Willie, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. How big do they get? Well, just about that big. They're, just, they're on your really face. Not... <laughs> well, that's, I think I'd notice that on my face. <laughs> I think I'd so how do they get rid of their waste? Because I seem to remember from biology in first year, excretion was one of the signs of life, right? Yeah. And uh, R Rory eats... Robbie makes Fiona sing and eats Rory's greens. 
for the seven. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, for, for the seven signs of uh, being alive. Yeah. Um, so they have to excrete. So how do they excrete? Or do they excrete gas or something? Uh, it's, well, so they do like give off carbon dioxide. They breathe in the same kind of way. So they are doing some kind of exchange. They don't excrete in necessarily in castable ways. They do process waste, but they basically accumulate it over their life instead. They're hoarders. That's They're all I'm hoarders. Saying. Yeah. Okay. We've all got a mother or two like this, don't we? Well, one. You know. I think, you know, God, at the risk, at the risk of uh, making my decision, it would be very handy not to have to go to the loo, I suppose, wouldn't it? Yeah, we could it keep... It would be very handy not See, to See, that go. guy would still be sat there for a start. Yeah. He genuinely is going to the loo. Was it all this talk? Wow. Did, yeah. did he just do that for a laugh? I that... I've seen his face from most of the podcasts. I don't think he does anything for a laugh, to be honest with you. He's... <laughs> He's Very... gone to take a closer look at his face to look for these guys. <laughs> yeah, he's in there with a massive magnifying glass going, I can see them all! <laughs> yeah. I know that has to go on the shortlist. It's on the shortlist? It. Yeah, yeah. All right then. So, Neil, you've made it hard for yourself. Got... I have made it hard for myself, but given that you actually host a podcast and are on it every week, what do you think the chances are I'm going to pick your choice? Not very much. No, not very much, no. <laughs> so, here's a rundown of the ideas we had. There's been Alison's idea for baby language. Yeah. Uh, we discarded Keynes, we discarded Ian's third buttock. We had Anna's idea of encoding history in some way in our DNA, so we're not just nostalgic, but we know the things that we've had, previous experiences. We've had Maria's idea of optimal, uh, optional fertility, like a fertility switch. And then we had a final idea from face mites of never pooing again. What's it going to be? Uh, I think it's, I've narrowed it down to two, and I think it's between Alison and Maria. And uh, I like the idea that you see you could hack someone like Piers Morgan and just switch his fertility off <laughs> and go, You're not allowed to have kids. I'm going to go with Alison. going to go with Alison. Yeah, because, because Maria, we're very close to that anyway. We get we, we, th that can nearly happen, so I'm going to go with Alison. Wonderful. Well done. I, um... Now, do I have to implement it? Yeah, I was going to ask, so... Uh, now I have to implement it. I've got to drop my PhD and uh, move on to this one. So, ladies and gents, you heard it here first. We're going to take that idea and we're going to add it to our package when we renew the subscription of our species. Before we go, we've got one final thing to do. Can we please give a large round of applause to our amazing guests? We have Kyan Luck, we've had Alison O'Shea, we've had Neil de Lamar, and of course, we've had the wonderful audience here at the Science Festival in Cork. That was Level Up Human. Hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheelie, and supported by the Wellcome Trust. For more information, go to levelupyoumen.com. Hey you, do you like politics? No, of course you don't. Absolutely no one does. Politics is even less fun than that board game with the pegs. You know the one. Little pegs, little tiny multicoloured pegs. No one liked it. Yeah, that one. Exactly. The problem is, politics affects absolutely everything, from that game with the little pegs to your favourite cheese or what poncho to wear when it's humid but cloudy, all the way to less important stuff like education, health, affording to live and how many times you break your TV swearing at it because the Prime Minister has said something awful again. 
I'm Tina Duyeb, despite all of my efforts, and every week I waste away my Mondays to bring you the Partly Political Broadcast, a podcast that looks at politics with a dirty side-eye and then makes a ton of jokes about it before interviewing a different, genuinely clever guest each week who can actually explain it, and then just when you're sick of crying at the horror of everything, throws in jokes again. Phew! From your Brexits to your Trumps to your global crisis to your economies to your whatever-the-hell-happy-slapped-uncooked-dough-man Boris Johnson has said this week, subscribe and listen to Partly Political Broadcast on the podcast app of your choice and it will all be explained. Unlike that game with the pegs. You know the one. You know the one with the little with the little coloured pegs. Oh, it's such a stupid game. Partly Political Broadcast is out every Tuesday, ready to be fired into your ears like an unwarranted North Korean missile. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.